Billy Napier and the Florida Gators went and took a player from Mike Norvell and the Florida State Seminoles. We're going to talk about that on this bonus episode of Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, another bonus episode of Locked On Gators. And this is, by the way, now the 15th episode in the past, what, 10 days on Locked On Gators? We're, we're cooking with gas here. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Saturday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33. And I'm about to be joined by Brandon Carroll from All Gators. But first, I will say that if you have not yet signed up for Florida Victorious and you want to, and you want to save 20% off your first month, go ahead to Florida Victorious. And use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and get 20% off of your first month. Joining me now for Locked On Gators is Brandon Carroll from All Gators. And Brandon, it's been, you know, a week since you've been here, as always. Sorry, eight days since since you've been here. Apologies. Very, very sorry for that mistake. Um, But in that time, they did it again. Florida added another commit to the class, this time... Tawaski, TJ Abrams, and not only did he add another speed demon to the receiving room, but he took him from Florida State, Mike Norvell. What was the better part of that commitment? Just adding more speed to the room or taking someone from Mike Norvell? I mean, both are great for Florida's perspective. Obviously, you want to win those in-state recruiting battles um, with a Florida State, with the Miami, and Florida's been able to do that consistently throughout this cycle. Abrams is just another example of that. He was able to, you know, Billy was able to go and get Abrams from Florida State, longtime commitment to Florida State, but we all knew it was shaky for a long time now. And Florida was always the major player in that recruitment. So to be able to actually flip him and kind of create more buzz for that, for this recruiting cycle, that's, you know, ranks number three in the country on all major recruiting sites. It's a big win. And like you said, Abrams brings even more speed to that wide receiver room. He's one of the fastest wide receivers that, you know, they, they can possibly get at this point. And now they have three dudes that can really burn on the outside. And even from the slot, um, I think Isaiah Williams at this point is kind of aligning as a Z, whereas Abrams and uh, obviously tank Hawkins is going to be uh, working out of the slot. So having that, those pieces in the wide receiver room is huge for DJ Lagway as he comes in, because he has some weapons to not only look at, you know, downfield, but he can hit them in the flats and they can make some things happen with their feet and not have to worry about, you know, things like just the natural football of the pocket closing, him having to improvise. He can just get it out of his hands and let his guys work. So three dudes that can really make it happen quickly and uh, find Pater in a hurry. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things about Napier at, at this point, just since he's gotten on campus, I feel like he's, been on the right end of flips lately. Like, uh, or like, I feel like since he showed up, 
he's lost a couple of kids, but it's not a common occurrence for him where he, he kind of has the habit of going in and actually just taking commitments from people. And I think that's one of my favorite things where it sucks to be on the receiving end of the flip. But I think that Napier's just proven that that I, I remember last year holding the hash slinging slasher because I was like, he's just he's just flipping everything. Uh, so I, I love just actually being on the right side of things for Florida. That's just for me, it, it's just an amazing thing to not be constantly in fear of losing kids. Um, but there is another kid that Florida is looking to flip and, and they're going to keep trying to do it no matter how not likely it feels at any point for Florida Gators fans. Obviously, Jeremiah Smith, he's always going to be a take if Florida if he wants to come to the Florida Gators. But are we getting to the point where some receivers like Chance Robinson, another flip candidate, Miami commit, for example, may no longer have a spot in this class? I don't think I think there are players that no longer have a spot. I don't think Robinson is going to be one of those pieces that they won't take. I do think that there are guys that are no longer takes at Florida um, from the wide receiver room specifically, now that they have three pieces in there. But if you listen to our episode last week, they're, they're always going to have plus ones. Jeremiah Smith, plus one, obviously. He's always going to have a spot in the class no matter what number they're at. They could be at 29. They only want to take 25 kids this cycle. They could be at 29. Jeremiah Smith is getting in the class. It does not matter. Chance Robinson, he there's a very good chance that he's going to have a spot in this class up until the very end because he's another playmaker that he might get overshadowed by Jeremiah Smith or a JoJo Trader, but he's still arguably the third best wide receiver in the state of Florida for this 2024 cycle. So just having those pieces like that um, in the fold are is always going to be a benefit for Florida. They're always going to want to take them, always going to want to get them in the class. So it's not necessarily of, you know, they're trying to play the balance game with some of the top receivers at this point. It's more so the guys that have previously they've been looking at might no longer, you know, on that mid-tier scale might no longer be um, someone that they continue to pursue from this point forward now that they kind of, you know, have the three out of the four that they want to take uh, in 2024. Yeah, I feel like we, we've talked about this before a little bit, but I did want to circle back to it where like, they, they're not going for these taller X receiver types. That's just not the approach that they've taken so far. They've, they've been going for speed demons, and I'm, I'm just curious, and I should probably stop calling them demons, um, but but I'm just curious of your you know your opinion of going, yeah, like we're, we're sacrificing size for speed, which obviously I think there's arguments for both sides of it. I just wanted to know where you land on that. I don't think that's a long-term decision. Uh, I think it's just a way of them injecting some variety into the wide receiver room because uh, if you look at what Florida brought in just two years ago, it was all height. They brought in a lot of pieces that were uh, – or maybe three years ago with when Billy Gonzalez was still the one running it um, with Dan Mullen. They were bringing in height. They were bringing in those trees on the outside. And while it worked at some points, it didn't work at other points, and then you had a lack of um, really – slot talent when Kadarius Tony left and that was noticeable and that the effects are still being felt by the you know those recruiting practices so to be able to kind of come in and see like okay we have these slot talents we believe that they're potential early contributors they're kind of filling those spots with the Eugene Wilson's the Tank Hawkins the you know uh, TJ Abrams things like that so having those pieces are huge for the future 
of the program. Whereas next year, I think we see more variety. They'll take a slot, they'll take a Z, they'll take an X, and we'll start to see them kind of spread it out rather than kind of honing in on one position specifically within that wide receiver group because of how important it is to have that variety in the class starting immediately since they didn't have any of it when Billy Napier arrived. Deshaun Reynolds, not not fast enough for you. Um, <laughs> he had a great game against Vandy. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, he did have a great game against Vanderbilt. That was he was one of the few players that showed up. Very very proud of hey, him. And even and even on his long touchdown, it was it was he needed to unhook the wagon. Um, and it was it was noticeable. But yeah, that no no more Dejon Reynolds uh, are coming into the class under Billy Napier. At least right now, we might get. Someone who's kind of because he was he was a big body. He was built very well. And that I can't knock him for that. He showed up on campus and I was like, this dude looks like he could he was playing last year, you know. But then you see that, you know, he struggles to pull away from a Vanderbilt linebacker in the open field. And you're like, well, maybe don't want to have this guy on the field. So it's just little things like that. But I think they're looking for that, that that height, length and verified speed. They want to get someone that can do it all. Obviously, Jeremiah Smith is one of those pieces. Chance Robinson is another. So. I think they're going to keep keeping on with those top guys at wide receiver moving forward. Yeah. Hey, to Dejan's credit, great game in the cold weather yep. against Vanderbilt. And now he's at Pitt. So going to be yep. a ton of cold weather for you. Best of luck to him there for a championship team. Like the Florida Gators want to be, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle, every part needs to fit just right. So the next time that you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part that you need fits just right the first time around. No transfer portal here. Just add your ride to my garage, look for the green check, and know that the part will fit or you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. There was, I feel like throughout the entire season last year, we had to deal with Florida Gators fans. And and by we, I mean Florida Gators fans had to deal with Florida Gators fans um, just constantly complaining about the play calling. And, and don't get me wrong, like I have my gripes with Napier, whether it's it's play calling tendencies or game management tendencies. But he said in media days this week, basically he's like, hey, like I like to have my hand on on the pulse of offensive play calling, on the scripts, being in charge of that. Where do you land on Napier continuing to call plays? I'm a bit in the middle. Uh, I understand where he's coming from. And when he gave that answer, I did understand exactly like what he was saying. Because a big part of why he said that was because he wants to establish the team's identity through how he implements the game plan. And I think a lot of the identity moving forward is going to be we're going to ground and pound and then we're going to hit the flats which is why they're bringing like we talked about in the last segment that's why we're bringing in um in his words that's why they're bringing in those wide receiver those slot wide outs and fast wide outs things like that so just having his hand on the ability to kind of create what he wants to do offensively gives florida an advantage because it comes directly from the source of who wants to, like from 
the head coach who's the source of what he wants his program to look like. And so just having that ability for him is something that he doesn't want to let go of. I don't necessarily think the tendencies of last year um, can really dictate how he will call plays moving forward, just because I do think there were times where as talented as Anthony Richardson was, he was a bit conservative with how he wanted to approach it because of the, you know, there were, there was a tendency, a uh, propensity for mistakes from Richardson. And so, you know, we look at the middle eight and that was a big concern from Florida last season, last four, the first half, first four, the second half. And they weren't very aggressive, but I think a lot of that was we don't want to give the opposing team another opportunity to score, another opportunity to extend a lead or take the lead as we go into half. We just kind of want to park the bus and get out alive. And so I think a big part of how he dictated what he was doing in those, you know, that middle four, which has been, or that middle eight, which has been talked about so consistently since last season was his nerves of, I don't necessarily not trust my quarterback, but I don't want to put him into a position where he can potentially make a mistake. And I think that could continue to arise this season. We could continue to see more, um, you know, kind of buzz surrounding his potential uh, kind of stepping down of being an offensive play caller. But I don't think the scheme itself is necessarily a kind of a negative in his uh, – and, and it's not a negative tally in the pros and cons – just because I think that the way they're going to want to play football this year aligns perfectly with, or the way they have to aligns perfectly with what Napier wants to do. They're going to run the football consistently and try to use the passing game to complement it. You're going to see probably a close to 60, 40 split of run to pass. And it's going to be boring at times. It's going to look archaic at times, but I think there's a good chance that it could be the most successful option for this Florida team. You could see, you know, two running back sets, two tight end sets, things like that, that they just try to implement that not only helps them in the running game, but then you get a two tight end set, you know, 12 personnel going out there looking like they're going to run the ball in third and two. And then they drop back and hit Arliss Borningham over the middle for a 15, 20 yard gain. It's just little things like that, that they can really um, kind of get creative with how they have to play football this season. Um, just because there are question marks surrounding Graham Mertz and, you know, whoever starts at quarterback, but I don't necessarily think Napier is uh, hot or cold as a play caller. I just think that the, he's kind of where he is right now, and there's still a lot more to see before I deem him, uh, you know, unfit to be Florida's play caller. Yeah, um, I don't know who you're telling. It was, it was archaic. Okay, we we love the tight end here on Locked On Gators. Oh, I'm not I'm not saying the tight end necessarily. I know you love the tight ends. Um, I'm just saying in general, you know, you see, there's not a lot of teams running the football 60 percent of the time. That's that's an archaic offense. Like as much as it, if it works, it works, but it's not modern football. So it's still something that, you know, you look at, you want to say, okay, we probably want to pass the football more than 50% of the time. They're doing 60, 40 splits. It's like, well, it's a little archaic. So just little things like that. It's a difference between being balanced and being overly dependent on the run. Like it's, you know, 1995. So um, that that's really what I was getting at there. But I do think that it could, you know, those two tight end, two running back sets could be very fun to watch this upcoming year. Yeah, and re really, really aging me by going, like, oh, running like 1995. That's when I was born, Brandon. Now you got to make <laughs> me feel bad. <laughs> hey, I almost, I almost said like early 2000s, so I would have been aging myself. But then I was like, nah, we got to throw it back even further. We got to throw it back to the Nebraska days. <laughs> that, that's when we got to get back to, so. I mean, look, I, I, I understand everybody's like, oh, like, like, you know, like throwing the football more. But I feel like people are are overlooking like 
Graham Mertz is your starting quarterback, most likely. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not I'm not saying Graham Mertz is horrible, but I, I'm also saying that I'm not super comfortable with Graham Mertz dropping back a ton to throw yeah. it. But I will say also the biggest thing for me with Graham Mertz is like, even if he's not great this year, he's going to be better than he was at Wisconsin, mostly because you talk about, you know, it was like 1995 running the football with Wisconsin. I always say they're like 1905 before the forward pass was legal. Like that's what they were like. And they didn't run play. Action. It was just the worst yeah. thing I've ever seen. And everybody yeah. involved in that offensive coaching staff should be ashamed of themselves at Wisconsin. Cause that was just horrible. But um, everybody here knows like I, I'm a sicko. My whole Thursday show is just, just screw 12 person go 22 personnel is what i wanted to see so so i'm i'm here for for the arcade run the football i don't give yeah. a damn as long as it wins football games um yeah. no you're gonna see you're gonna see a lot of uh obviously at wisconsin like you said he was in uh you know under center playing just straight three-step drop back get the ball out um but he just didn't have a lot first of all he was one of the most pressured quarterbacks in college football and he also didn't have a ton of options at receiver. He loved using his tight ends, which I think is going to be a big part of why Florida is going to have to see Arliss step up this season. He's going to be probably their potentially their top pass catching wide receiver this season, um, especially if Keon Zipper is not healthy uh, throughout a major portion of the year. Um, so with that, you're going to see him playing out of the shotgun, more play action established off of that running game because they're going to establish the run early. So, but you know, other teams are going to stack the box. So you might have to take a shot early on. They're willing to do that. I think last season we saw in multiple games, it was run first down, run second down, deep shot, third down, right out of the bat. That was the offensive script right out of the bat. It hit a lot of the times. And I think it, you know, it might not be to the same scale because of the, you know, some of the concerns with him being able to push the ball downfield. But I do think that it's still going to be a part of the, overall scheme overall game plan of we're gonna have to kind of make them back off early on uh, just so we can get that run game going because you have trevor uh, trevor Etienne and montreal johnson in the backfield baby you're gonna want to run the football you're gonna want to give them the rock and let them work so if you're gonna be able to do that you gotta let graham mertz hit a 15 yard dig and just let it rock so it's it's it should be I don't want to say it should be fun because it should, it probably won't be fun, but I think it'll be a bit more successful than a lot of people are giving it credit for at this point, which isn't saying much because people aren't giving it really any credit, but running the football and letting Graham work Mertz work as a, you know, secondary option shouldn't be the catastrophic offensive game plan that many people are expecting from the Florida Gators in 2023. Yeah. Um, I, I've brought it up multiple times. Graham Mertz when throwing the deep ball last year, the very, very few opportunities he had wasn't bad. So I'm hoping that, you know, getting in some Floridian athletes and, and just let, like just Aiden Mizell, I don't care if you catch a single ball, but I, I need you like 50 yards downfield to at least threaten for it. And that, that's all I care about. But the top pass catcher this year, likely going to be Ricky Pearsall. I, I think we yes. all acknowledge, even if he's not statistically the most productive receiver on the team, he's the best receiver on the team. Pretty sure that's, yeah. Pretty sure that's unanimous in, in game. It's yeah. not even close. He is going to be returning punts this year, which he, yeah. he said at SEC Media Days. I need to know what you think of that because obviously there's the injury risk of having your best pass catcher getting hurt returning a punt, but also haven't really had that 
legitimately dynamic returner since Kadarius Tony. And even even last year, you know, Xavier Henderson for the huge majority of the time, I get it. Xavier Henderson has solid straight line speed, great straight line speed. You could even say not a good punt returner. Like, like if you're looking for sure handed there, don't be like the New York jets having Jim Leonard back there. Like it's just, it's just not going to work, but also they tried Jason Marshall back there and the Vandy game didn't go well. Don't fault him for that one at all. That is not his fault that he was put in a position to fail. And so he did Um, went about as poorly as he could, but what do you feel about Ricky Pearsall returning punts? Yeah, I think it's a, I think the positives outweigh the negatives. Obviously there's always the concern of your top wideout getting injured, but I think Ricky is a very shifty and explosive player that can really not only benefit the team, but himself from returning punts. I had the opportunity to talk to him at SEC media days and I kind of, you know, people were kind of asking him about why he made that decision um, to return punts. And he said it's because, you know, you get a sign-up sheet for returning punts, and not a lot of people want to do that. There's not many names on that sign-up sheet. Returning punts is one of the hardest things to do in football. It's not only to field a punt, but also to field a punt and then get your eyes up and you're starting to look at potential holes. He wants to do that because he's going into the draft pool after this season, and that's something that can significantly boost his draft stock. So having – Pearsall being willing to play that position with the skill set that we all know he brings to the table. It gives Florida a very good advantage of this guy wants to be there. He knows how to play the position or, you know, he knows how to work in a environment like that. I think it should be an interesting dynamic of how he returns punts. And a big part of what Florida's looking to do this year is sure up that special teams unit. It's been one of the worst special teams unit in college football over the past few seasons. So now we're seeing them take steps to say, all right, we need to sure this thing up. You're going to have Ricky returning punts. Obviously, you're going to have Jeremy Crawshaw punting. Um, Trey Smack's probably going to win the kicking job, even though that's still up in the air between him and Adam Mahalik. And so just little things like that. Also, you'll probably have Trevor Etienne returning kicks like he did at the end of last season. So you're going to have some explosive pieces with some, uh, you know, a lot of talent, the the two kickers, you know, uh, it's punter kicker. They both have strong legs. So they're going to be able to kind of push the um, where they pump from, where they kick from back a little bit, uh, just things like that. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, the dynamic of how the special teams works, but they're getting those dynamic, uh, explosive pieces back in the fold, which Florida hasn't had for a while. I think, you know, you named Kadarius Tony. I think he had his moments, but he was also a bit of a concern. I, I'll never forget. Uh, I think it was against, I think it was against South Carolina or Kentucky. He jumped up and caught a ball at like the five. Like he jumped into the air to catch it. Like it was a jump ball. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, like, why is he doing that? So just, and, you know, so it was, it was concerning, but it, it worked. It happened. He was fine. But there was a dude like right in his face when he did it. And everyone was just, uh, Okay, and so if you take that, you go back even further. The last truly elite punt returner that they had was Antonio Callaway. And if Pearsall can be 15% of what Callaway was, they should be well with on their way to returning to being a serviceable special teams unit as they try to get back to being a dynamic and, and elite special teams unit that they once were. Excuse me. Uh, we call them game changers around here. <laughs> yeah, my bad. But uh, I, I feel like it's also just being completely overblown too, as to you know, you know, uh, Ricky Pearsall. Like, like the injury risk increasing. Like, yes, 
there's a higher chance of injury, but also last year in the 13 games the Florida Gators played, there were like 16 punt returns, which granted your defense is going to be better this year, force more punts. But I feel like a lot of people are also just completely overlooking that there's a good deal of fair catches. Like there's great athletes in the FEC. They're going to cover ground. I, I feel like it's like one of those things where yes, he's returning punts and there's a risk, but also it's not, like he's going to be getting the ball 40 times a game all of a sudden. And and that's just, to me, it's like, it's very weird to be very concerned about that injury risk there with Pearsall. Cause yeah, it's not an insane increase in volume. Like it, 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 it's not much. I just don't, I just don't understand that part of getting, uh, getting all all in a tizzy about it. Cause again, like I'm, I'm perfectly cool with putting your best. I think whoever it is, you just put your best returner back there. If it's, yeah, really, it's like, no matter what you do, it should just be your best returner back there. And I know that there's certain teams that like, I, I liken it to, I'm, I'm a Giants fan. And, and when Odell was still on the Giants, they would have different punt returners. And they were like, all right, we need some juice. Put Odell back there. Like, yeah. I, I understand being like, oh, like save it for special opportunities. But at the same time, I feel like giving that opportunity to consistently get better at being a punt returner. And especially in Ricky's case where it's like, well, I'm trying to help my draft status as well. I have yeah. no issues with him being the return man. Yeah. I think I think another thing too that can be overlooked is a lot of times the best guys don't want to be back there because they're worried about, you know, uh, potentially getting hurt. And so when you have a guy like Pearsall that you already want to put back there that's willing to play the position, that wants to play the position, how can you tell him no? Like, you can't. You can't tell him no. So – just having the ability to put someone like that in that spot gives them a huge advantage moving forward uh, to be able to kind of perform. And also you mentioned the ability for it to kind of provide a spark. I have a feeling Florida is going to need a spark at points this year and it might happen more consistently than not. So let's say, you know, you put them back, you put him back there. He, you know, kind of breaks one for a 30 yard return, puts them in plus territory, flips the field to where Florida's in a spot now to, you know, get points on the board that may not have came previously because they have been struggling all day. That's exactly what you want out of a punt returner and Pearsall is what brings that. So there, I have no reservations with putting Pearsall in that position. And if getting hurt is a reservation for you, then, you know, and you just, it's not, that's not the position where Florida's in. They don't, they're not in a position to be sparing on what they can sacrifice and not sacrifice. They've sacrificed enough just, and you know, you look across this roster, there's not much that they can work with. You have to put yourself in the best position to succeed with the pieces that you have. Pearsall is that position, you know, that piece at punt returner. So not much they can do there to kind of supplement what they have uh, often, you know, in, in different areas. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, how he, kind of takes on that role but i'm definitely excited to see it i think he's going to be a stout stunt return or punt returner for florida this season yeah it's also important to acknowledge for anybody that's concerned about um he's playing football <laughs> like like his yeah. like his job is to essentially get hit when or like i'm not too concerned about the extra hits from the punts because yeah i mean you're, you're playing football things happen and so i'm like yeah it sucks that you increase the chance but also yeah name of the game is to get hit like someone has to get hit and if that's the case and so be it but thank you so much brandon this is brandon carroll with all gators catch him every week here 
with Locked On Gators, and also be sure to read his fantastic content with all Gators. Thanks again for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back Monday, back to our regularly scheduled programming with another episode of Locked On Gators. For Locked On Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33, and I will see you all tomorrow.